0: it is okay to be honest and emotional a lot of people say oh leaders can't be emotional that's not true i mean you are as human as everyone else is and if you have um, you know and if you have something which you want to share with your team maybe your personal experience which went you know good or which did not go so well share it openly if you if you are proud about even making mistakes You should be able to do that because from those mistakes you've learned. I mean, it's a circle of trust, right? Somebody trusted us with all our mistakes, so we are here. So we need to continue that circle of trust, right? So that's something for me is very, very important. You are listening to the Payal Nanjiani Leadership Podcast, the number one podcast in the world for leaders who want to be the best. Each episode is designed to help you recognize and overcome your leadership challenges and achieve great success at your work. This episode is brought to you by your host, Payal Nanjiani, a world-renowned leadership expert, executive coach, and author known for her leadership talks, corporate training, and executive coaching. To know more about Payal, visit her website, www.payalnanjiani.com.
1: Hi everyone, it's Payal Nanjiani and welcome to the Payal Nanjiani Leadership Podcast. I am sitting today with Renu Mishra, who is the President and CEO of Groha, Middle East and North Africa. And I have been so looking forward to this conversation, especially because Renu is a leader known to overcome business challenges. In fact, Renu is highly respected within the organization as an advocate of empowerment and accountability. She's got a consistent record of delivering extraordinary results in growth, revenue, profitability, and operational performance. And today, Renu joins us here on this episode to talk about mastering challenges. Renu, welcome to the and Nanjiani Leadership Podcast. It is such a privilege to have you here on this podcast.
0: Thank you, Payal. It's been a pleasure. And I've been also waiting for this conversation, so here we uh, go
1: I I know we we went back and forth with so many dates but finally we have you here and just you know the the uh, the, uh, the type of work that you do I know it's it's really busy so so how did how did your journey lead you to become a CEO let, let let's start from there
0: yeah I think it's uh like I always say to everyone right I, I did not this was not my let's say an aim, right? When people say, what do you want to do five years from hence? What do you want to do 10 years from hence? I never wrote that I want to be a CEO. That's not how when I passed out my MBA, but I guess my experiences led me there, right? So I I was a finance professional and uh, I joined as finance manager and worked at least nine years in first two organizations, which were IT and telecom software. What it got me was that's a time India was liberalizing because we we passed out in 1996. And that's when a lot of multinationals were setting up shop in India. So it got us into an experience where, you know, I could dabble with a lot of things. And as you know, most startups, I mean, there are no defined roles, right? There are a lot of things which come your way and you choose what you want to you know learn from it so i think i dabbled with everything i mean supply chain hr it whatever came my way and that was my biggest strongest foundation then i decided to move to uh, fortune 500 companies because i thought okay i'm a finance expert i should do something in my domain and then i worked with xerox and pepsico in in a couple of roles taking more depth of finance roles right so business partnering business control and I think I was already set to be a CFO uh, for, for multinational for very long. But then the opportunity came with Groha. And when I joined them, I think immediately I knew that this is, this is one organization where I should pick up a business role because uh, the organization believed in experiment and learn. They believed in internal talent and they were very promoting for, uh, for colleagues to take up different roles. And within about 20 months of my being a CFO, I moved into the CEO role. I, I think uh, the biggest reason I was chosen also was that I had a very wide variety of experience. I mean, today, uh, a CEO role is not just about sales. It is about knowing the business structure, knowing the PL, having commercial knowledge. I mean, supply chain, I mean, we can now relate to it how important it is to know about operations, right? So I think all that got me into the role. I won't say that it was easy. It was not like just a walk-in in in the park, right? So I had still had to put my learning hat on, uh, learn to, let's say, negotiate with different stakeholders. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're in a support function, you negotiate internally, right? When you are in a CEO role, in a business role, you negotiate Mm -hmm. more externally. So that was a bigger learning, I would say. And um, I, I think that after doing India, which is a very diverse country, um, that's when I moved to be uh, the CEO of Middle East, which is Middle East, North Africa, which, which actually has Levant, West Africa, Israel, Turkey, Egypt, and I'm a lot more countries. So we are about 49 countries. So I think um, it seemed like a natural progression, but the learning never stops. Right. So le- learning still, I would say
1: wow so so uh, like you said it wasn't an easy journey you know though the when you when you spoke about it you did make it feel that wow you know it was it, it just went so smoothly but uh, when you first became the ceo how how different was it from what you expected like was there anything that shocked
0: you surprised you how was it for you i think uh, what what surprised me or let's say i won't say shocked or surprised but what i learned in the process was that you know your reaction to change has to be much faster right sometimes when you are in the back end writing sop's and processes and probably operating a crm or a sap you you write a script and implement it but when you are in the market the volatility of the market the change the the economy drives so many decisions right and some of these decisions are very fast so i would say that you know being intuitive to change, being intuitive to what's around you, and also having the ability to adapt very fast, right? So that's something which this role brought more than I was when I was the CFO, or let's say I was doing so many other roles with so many other brands, right? So uh, with, and also each industry gets you the pace of change, right? So maybe when you're working in FMCG, and I would give it to my previous experience of FMCG, that you're pace of execution and adaptability gets faster, right? So these are skills that I learned, but I could see that I was living that and everybody was looking up to me for that decision, right? So that's the biggest change that you have in a role of a CEO.
1: So so, so. before you became the CEO, did you really practice all of this? Did you get an opportunity? Because, you know, I know of so many people who get opportunities, but because of the fear that, oh, I have never done this. I have never experienced uh, something like that. I don't have the skills. They let the opportunities go. But after speaking to you, I feel, you know, when you reached onto that position, you grabbed it, you took it and you started to learn, like you said. So uh, how important is it, according to you, that, you know, uh, when opportunities come, we should we should take them or should it be something like you really need to be fully prepared before you take, uh, take on to new challenges and new opportunities?
0: Yeah, I would really draw that experience. Right. I mean, uh, since both of us are mothers. Right. So you however somebody might prepare you for motherhood till oh, the yeah. time you don't have a child. Mm-hmm and you, you're bringing up the child, you do not learn it. It's the same thing, right? I, I really take any opportunity like this. You have to jump in it and you have to give it 100% and there is no shortcut to hard work right so if anybody yeah. believes that oh you know there will be a great team which will support you into that role but you know what the buck stops at you if you are the head of the business so there there has to be skills that you have to learn there has to be a lot of uh, you know i would say empowerment to the team for sure but working with the team understanding the nuances being able to make that decision so mm. actually there is a lot of practice fire which can happen in various roles and i would say that my cfo role and my some of my roles before also helped me in a business partner role for sure but then i was a risk taker i was willing to, to do that and sometimes i think all of us stop because we want to be in our comfort zones but mm. you know if average anybody has to work for 30 40 years which includes being a leader or let's say running and entrepreneurship like you were doing, right? I mean, we all have to do this. If you don't plunge in into something, take the risk, maybe Mm -hmm. fail, but then you will dust yourself, get up, start again. You know, that ability has to keep going in a a role. And if you have that in you, uh, you should not stop. You should take it because I've seen most people who take risks are the people who succeed.
1: Mm, That's right. And I think in this COVID times, uh, taking risk is something which people are very afraid of doing you know, generally because of the uncertainties. And you had also mentioned uh, early on in this, uh, uh, as we started with this episode, that uh, you had to really, uh, you know, learn a lot on your way. There were a lot of difficulties that you had to face. So what are some of your challenges that you had to really, uh, you know, cross while you were taking these roles, while you were growing into different roles in the corporate?
0: I think the, the biggest challenge has been uh, being a woman leader. So the, our industry is very linked to construction and real estate, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's, its pace is much slower, right, in terms of um, any uh, change that we bring about than let's say a consumer durable industry. It's very close to that, but it's still a bit, you know, behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a CEO and being a woman CEO with pretty much no one in the industry Uh, being a woman at that level and also most of the leadership team of let's say my counterpart CEOs in the industry were also not women so you would not interact with them then you will get into uh, let's say so-called shops right where you can find bathroom fittings right which is also male dominated and it will be x y z and sons right that's how the shops are yeah they're all sons Right, so you know what I mean, right? So, so then you feel a whole male bastion that you're dealing with. So I think for them also it was very awkward that there's a woman who's walking into their shop and talking to them about faucets and ceramics and everything, and and you know she is CEO of the business. So I think it was a very big culture shock uh, for them also, and. And you had to be, you know, you had to be bold, you had to be determined and you had to keep going, you know, strong and also, you know, bring in also the women like qualities, you know, we, we have a lot of qualities of multitasking, of being empathetic, mm-hmm. getting that warmth in the relationship. I think that's what I learned and earned over a period of time. And I carried that with me in the Middle East. Now, in the Middle East, the challenge was even more, because women in general were not working. I mean, every city is not yeah. as as uh, you know as forward i mean i'm i'm also talking about the entire gulf region right. where i think in general women don't work they may own businesses and i'm very happy and proud to say that i did meet uh, some of the women leaders mm-hmm. or who were leading those um, you know sanitary shops and i was really impressed with them and they knew so much very mm-hmm. well educated but very few right so 99% is what you're dealing with so i think uh, the gender was not a problem, but I think it was about, it was about, you know, making that shift that this can happen, right? We Our roles are gender neutral and we can still be commanding, uh, you know, respect and inclusion mm-hmm. in any role that we might be, right? So I think that change and mind shift also happens when people see something different on the other side. So that was, I think I personally feel, I, I won't say it as a challenge, but then you have to work harder because they need to know that we can deliver equal or better results. Right. So gender is not a showstopper. Right. right. So that was, I think, uh, my biggest learning.
1: Right. And I think because like you said, you know, you were in India and then, uh, you overcame the challenges here and then went to middle East where again, you found that there are extremely few women in numbers when it comes to the corporate world and when it comes growing through the ranks. So, um, Uh, you know, uh, just generally, when you had spoken about challenges, what challenges do you feel that now the leaders are facing basically in this COVID situation? So you're dealing with so many other CEOs and so many other executives. Uh, What, according to you, are some of the big challenges that leaders are facing in today's uh, times?
0: I think I'll I'll divide that into two buckets. One is obviously the business challenge that we all have, right? The business is redefining itself, right? Yeah. Uh, we are, the supply chain and optimization has become important. Information technology has become important. Look at the way we are working today, right? So the business is completely redefined, which means your consumer journey and consumer experiences have to be redefined. Everybody is not going to a shop to pick up, you know, let's say a bathroom faucet, if I have to talk about my industry or any other, right? Right. So there is a lot that the businesses now need to do to reinvent, which comes in terms of technology, which comes in terms of cost, which comes in terms of way of working. Right. That's happening. The second piece is our teams. Right. Their mental health, their well-being. Uh, We've had a very long time of lockdowns and what's happening in the world right now. We might just have another phase of lockdowns. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's continuing for them, for their families, for their children, taking care of them being very empathetic and i think uh, we've been in an era where we were you know meeting and discussing and you know, having business meetings. Now we are in an era where we have one-to-ones and we yeah. just want to listen to them because they need more ears, right? So that's what they need. And then there are team meetings and you, you have to carry that compassion with you. So it's so important. So I think it's impacting us in a way which has never been seen for most of us who have worked for at least 20-30 years. We, we've not seen this before. So I think we are also, I would say, growing as different leaders. Because we need to have those skills to tide through this uh, change and also take our team along, right? You want your talent to be as motivated to deliver in a difficult time as in a normal time. So I, I, I see that. I see it this way.
1: Wow. So 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 basically, you know, when when now that we are all working from home for most of the time, okay, it's not fully opened up right now uh, and and you have taken up the uh, debate in here at uh, at Groha. So in your role as a CEO, how easy or challenging is it for you to handle things in a virtual world now?
0: I think uh, some of the good things is that, uh, you know, all the meetings that we used to have physically for which people used to travel and used to discuss business plans mm-hmm. can be done digitally and they're quite effective. I would say that because in the end, you're you're dealing with people who know their subjects very well. They know their markets very well. And, you know, mm-hmm. that piece works very well. I think what's more challenging is that we've lost a touch and feel to our teams. You know, I I want to still see my last you know, sales executive who's sure. on the field and he's, let's say in Lagos or, you know, he's, you know, in, in Cairo, I, I want to see them because um, a personal contact with your team members makes a very different level of motivation, care and compassion, which, which you can do on calls, but it's never the same, you know, sharing a meal, you know, uh, going to a market visit, listening to them about their families or their challenges and being able to support them also about their vision of what they want to do in you know, life. Uh, you can structure that on a, on a, let's say, digital call, but it's very different when you're together. So that's the piece that we all miss uh, for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the, that physical touch, you know, when you are present in front of people and sharing those emotions is such a big part of uh, business and uh, and our corporate world. So what, what motivates Renu to get up in the morning and get to work? You know, now that you're a CEO, I, I know many people who, uh, you know, once they achieve what they want to, then life just drags on for them. But what about you? Uh, what motivates you to get up in the morning and 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 just get to work and and deliver more and more? I've
0: read I've read so much about you. I I think everything motivates me. I think my work really motivates me. And sometimes you know I have to I would say that I have to hold my horses because I don't have to you know my team should not feel pressurized by a supercharged uh-huh. you know woman who is trying to work 24 by 7. So I am also becoming very uh, you know structured in my in my let's say my emails or my Mm -hmm. notifications i i try and give a pause on the weekends i also do that i mean i maybe because what was happening i mean look at it while we were traveling a lot i was at least traveling three weeks in a month so then when you are sending your emails from your iphones they are at all times zones for all of the team members right so they might just feel that if they get the mail from a ceo at 2 a.m in the night i mean by morning they have to respond so i actually worked on a rule with my team that if i do not say urgent on the subject and you don't read it over the weekend it's fine
1: oh, which wow, means
0: that, that you do know, yeah. So, you know, you, 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 you have your weekend and if you saw mail on Friday night, don't, you don't have to jump out of the bed and right. you don't have to respond. I mean, unless it says urgent because they can be a customer or a consumer. Yeah. You need to address. Yeah. So I think that's something which I've worked upon. I think so. I, I, it's the other way around, right? So I, I think my work just, you know, uh, motivates me. My team motivates me. I think I learn every day from my team members. I'm very well connected to to the whole organization. We are are a very flat structured uh, organization. We Mm -hmm. welcome everyone to reach out so people can actually WhatsApp me. Um, I'm very happy to get news from people when they actually WhatsApp me and say that, you know, I'm getting married or I just was blessed with a baby. You know, it's so nice to hear from them directly. Mm -hmm. And um, there are so many other forums that we have. So we have a town hall every month where, you know, which is on Zoom, but then we still, you know bring out the best practices recognize people we also have something called voice of women which is a forum we created uh, for women in the organization which is a monthly meeting we get external speakers or internal best practices or just share you know and just listen because Mm -hmm. you you don't know what you know what you need to do and motivate them for different you know um, let's say career options or what do they want to do Mm -hmm. for in future in life so we are opening up those forums so all of that excites me so much that you know I look forward to going back to every day and you know having some activity around either people or our products right so mm. it just keeps keeps me supercharged I would say. Wow that's that's great now uh,
1: uh, I, I know your time is also um, limited and, but at the same time I definitely want to ask you you are known to overcome business challenges what would, what would be your advice or message to, the, you know, to leaders who are aspiring to grow at, in, the, in the corporate life? How, how would you advise them to look at challenges and face challenges?
0: I think truth and honesty works in all circumstances. I mean, there have been situations and I think we all go through that, right? We would go, I mean, if, if you are a go-getter or a doer, right? There will be a lot of things which will work well and some of them which will not. I mean, as to be as honest and say that, okay, uh, you know, I made a mistake and, you know, and you want to still correct it or seek help is, is also an open thing that should be on the table. So as leaders, also, we should be able to say that I'm sorry, I made a mistake. That's very important as leaders. Also, if you did, if somebody did well, I mean, the, the other scenario is that, okay, somebody is you know, done something exceptionally well has gone above and beyond to be open about recognizing people honestly and saying what they did, right? I, I personally feel that keeping it highly transparent with the teams. Mm -hmm. And it does not matter which level people are in. I mean, I I sometimes always tell people that don't worry about, you know, that I have to only communicate this to my leadership team and they will cascade ahead. You know, don't get the hierarchy in between. Try and reach out to as many people as you can in your team because they they see you as the leader and they get inspired and motivated by you as a leader. Mm -hmm. So keeping an open and honest communication about good and the bad, you know, the challenge and the opportunity is a great thing so keep keep your voice uh, you know clear keep keep it really you know it it is okay to be honest and emotional a lot of people say oh leaders can't be emotional that's not true I mean you're as human as everyone else is and if you have um, you know and if you have something which you want to share with your team maybe your personal experience which went you know good or which did not go so well share it openly if you if you're proud about even making mistakes you should be able to do that because from those mistakes you've learned. I mean, it's a circle of trust, right? Somebody trusted us with all our mistakes, so we are here. So we need to continue that circle of trust, right? So that's something for me is very, very important.
1: Wow, I think those are some really profound nuggets, uh, uh, Reno, especially when you said like, you know, be open and be so vulnerable to your people, because ultimately, you are going to be working with them every single day of your life until you are here. So, I think those were some very profound wisdom, uh, Renu, that you've shared with us. Uh, Really, I want to thank you for your time that you have uh, shared on this podcast. And thank you so much for being a part of this uh, podcast and sharing your
0: insights. Thank you, Payal. It was great knowing you and interacting with you. And I hope to see you in person soon.
1: Oh, I'm sure we will. And uh, here's to our audience. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Renu Mishra and Payal Nanjiani signing off for this time. And until the next time, I wish you good luck, all the best and God bless.